Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. Make sure that you are doing the basics when you're, for example, welcoming a staff member into your business, making sure that you have planned the training. And now with the pandemic, I think people woke up to the opportunities that you have with digitalization, e-learning. So even though hotels are very much an on-site type of business, it doesn't mean that you can't leverage technology for things like training, for example, and making sure that people have an opportunity to keep upskilling and to learn and defining those processes and that journey for your staff with very clear milestones of how you want them to proceed and how they can grow, showing them how a lot of the skills that learning will be valuable for them, whichever industry they go into, because I think that's one thing that we don't talk about often enough. This is Karina Martins Nakama, founder of Benesare, which are helping people and organizations to achieve tough performance by improving their emotional intelligence and optimize their operational processes and practices to achieve consistency across their teams. In this conversation, Karina and I dive into how do you create an environment where well-being and calmness are the key pillars to success. We discuss why it's important right now, especially in the times we're in. Karina also explains it's important that we understand that right now we're undergoing a paradigm shift. And the staffing crisis are reminding us that we need to change from our old and traditional ways of thinking leadership, away from top-down leadership, control and command. It's now time to involve your people more in the business, become a more human leader and create work environments that people love, support and grow in. We talk about how companies can build cultures like that and how they maintain them by getting fundamental people practices right, such as a strong people strategy that delivers on business outcome, strong focused recruitment and efforts, onboarding, use of operational tools that help you achieve perfection so you can create that employee and customer journey that people expect. And all that triples positively on the bottom line. We have a conversation about leading yourself and how important it is to grow and challenge yourself constantly. But before you tune in, please sign up for our weekly newsletter packed with more Maverick insights, strategies and tools. Find the link in the show notes or visit hospitalitymavericks.com. Now, stop what you're doing, grab a drink, coffee and water and your notebook and let's get started building better organizations that people love and support. Well, I'm super excited about today's conversation uh, because we're going to have a different perspective. We uh, have Karina on the show and she's going to give us a view from you know hospitality in Brazil to hospitality in the UK and probably also connection with the, the current situation we are in. If we are in a pandemic, out of pandemic, I don't know, but we're definitely in challenging times. So we're going to talk about some of these challenges and maybe 
how you can find solutions to them because we're going to talk about leadership approach and mindset. We're also going to talk about how you build culture in an organization and how you actually deliver that culture, which is even more important. We can all talk about maybe getting the values up on the walls or in our playbook, but how do we actually bring them to life? True, something we have a shared passion, we found out, is called checklist, as boring as it sounds. <laughs> but that's actually how you get culture to life in, in some organization, if it fits that organization. So welcome to the show, Karina. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. Uh, thanks, Michael. Likewise, I'm really excited to be here and uh, have all that exciting conversation with you and our listeners. So if you should get... Give it a bit of background, uh, Karina, so people understand and can like set set you in in context of the world. What, what you know, I said you were from Brazil and you traveled to the UK. Tell tell a bit more and what you're up to now. Yeah, no, that's so uh, exciting. So I'm well, I'm from Brazil. That's where I did tourism originally in in university. But I always kind of have this dream of working in hospitality. I thought this was, would allow me to travel the world. As so many people joining our industry, they they see this as this great career to allow you to travel. So at 18 years old, that's definitely what I wanted to do. Um, and then when I was still in uni, I had a gap year when I went to Bristol. I lived there for a year and I completely fell in love with the UK. So my story here has, you know, um, a long, started a long, a long time ago. Um, went back to Brazil, started to work in hospitality there, worked for many years at the Fazano Group, part of the leading uh, holders of the world, uh, but had these unfinished businesses with the UK. So in 2016, finally managed to convince my husband and then two kids who are nine and five uh, to make the move. Uh, quite adventurous as well. We didn't have exactly a plan, uh, but it was really exciting. And here we are five years later still uh and really well settled and this is home now so we're really really happy um and then i mean during the pandemic i've I've worked in two hotels here as well managed to privately own um uh, hotels here in the uk uh, and at some point i decided i wanted to try to work more with project management and process improvement which is something i've always been very involved with i've launched many hotels i've implemented many initiatives restaurants so uh, it was something i wanted to deep dive a bit more on uh, but then during the pandemic i think as many of us i decided it was time for me to really try to do my own thing it was a long uh, dream. I've always wanted to try to help more businesses having my own business. Uh, and that's when the nursery really uh, became my main occupation. So uh, through Benessery, really what we want is to unlock human capital, help bring balance to organizations, to help balance people, quality and profit. Uh, and I always talk about the superpower of calmness. So what we can achieve when we really find this place of top performance, when people know what they're doing, they have the right emotional intelligence skills and can thrive um, as an organization with a great uh, culture. So this is what we've been looking to do. Can you tell a bit more about the work you do with organizations? Because it's quite interesting. You said that, you know, you are helping people to get more calm environments to make better decisions, which is very relevant compared to where we are right now in hospitality. And we can take a global, go global view on this. This is not a UK specific thing. We have many challenges right now. No, absolutely. And I think this idea of uh, benessere actually means well-being. It's an Italian word. And it's something in 2015, when we were still thinking of coming to the UK, but I was already thinking I wanted to have my own business, we decided that that's what it would be called, because the idea of bringing balance uh, and well-being to an organization was always very important, something that was at the forefront of my leadership style and you know when i was managing hotels 
Um, so the the and it was something that I actually implemented with my team. This idea of you know let's just try to find a place of calmness because we'll we'll make much more assertive decisions, uh, get better results. So um, a lot of people when you start talking about it, they look at you as like, what are you talking about? This doesn't really fit the business world. But I think if the pandemic hasn't uh, waken people up for this, you know the importance of this, the idea of mental health for productivity for performance, um, it it has. It has complete complete linked. So uh, it's always been important, and I'm happy that now people are at least listening more to it, and we have these spaces like uh, your podcast and so many others to to talk about this. So when you go in and do a, a project, what what specifically, if you should give it like an example of, so let's say you go into an organization and you have uh, you know you have COVID racing outside and you have totally chaos in the organization or in the team or some degree of care, what is it that you can help them with and how do we actually approach that? And what is the typical things you see? Yeah, I think, I mean, chaos is maybe more evident now and everyone at, maybe at the same time is going through this, which is quite unique. Um, you know, sometimes you have different organizations going through this, but definitely having challenges in a business is nothing new. Um, and I think that the main thing is when I talk about the balance is putting the people metrics. So what are you doing for all your stakeholders in your business, just um, at par with what you're doing for all your other KPIs, your quality indicators, your, your profit indicators. So what can you do to actually make your people feel like they are engaged and part of the solution? Like they are part of that, uh, um, of, of finding solutions for those problems. Because quite often, I think as business owners or as managers, you do think that it's on you to find the solutions and for them to just perform and to do the work. Uh, but when you start to actually bring that transparency, talk about core human values, that idea of purpose, uh, then you start to be able to make those advances um, and work through action plans that are really well-defined and people can, can get behind uh, those plans. What about if we... Um... What you're talking about here is how we manage our people and build organizations in principle. What is the, if we look at the industry as where we are now, post pandemic, whatever we call this era in right now, the new era of hospitality, I normally call it. Uh, how, how well are we equipped to actually, you know, do this really well, like manage our people and build organization people wants to be part of both, you know, employees and customers. Are we ahead of the curve or are we behind the curve in, in your view? If you look at it, at the bigger picture, there's always the individual organization. Yeah, I was going to say there's organizations and organizations and it? it's really hard to, but in, um, in general, I think hospitality has the greatest opportunity to get this right, which is what really annoys me. You know, we're a people business. We're in this to make others happy. Uh, you know, this is what, like I said, that's what took me into the industry as well. It's like, I want to work with something that is providing great moments for people, whether you're having a meal, you're staying in a hotel, going, you know, whatever it is. So the fact that so many of us get it wrong is um, a paradox, I say, you know, that you're having people who should, who are, driving smiles and welcoming uh, guests are so often struggling in the background and that's driving people away from our sector. So um, I think sadly we're still way behind, um, you know, where we could be, uh, but it shouldn't be very difficult to solve. I think people who work in hospitality genuinely uh, get it, what it takes to get your customers to be happy. Just do some of that for your your staff, you know, for your team and for yourself. Because quite often we also forget about ourselves and burnout. And 
and and give up uh, from the from the industry. So um, I'm, I'm optimistic. I think, like I said, I, I think we can definitely do do better. But um, and and maybe this pandemic has been the tipping point to say we need some more profound changes to happen. Do you think that the the staffing crisis is also linked to this, you know, either you know experience and slash perception people have about working in hospitality? Do you think that just fuels it even more and makes it even more necessary that you actually make this shift now, where it's not about becoming over caring, it's actually building a workplace that works? I guess. Yeah, it's like I say, it's not. It shouldn't be rocket science, right? And I think that the, the the staffing crisis is not that there isn't stuff around. It's just that they are, and we are all being more selective with what we do with our time. Um, I think I've always been very mindful of, uh, you know, how limited our time here is, you know, and how important it is to make the most with what you've got. And uh, surely there'll be struggles. Life isn't perfect, but you want to be part of something. Uh, bigger and better, and I think um, we have again that opportunity to show people that hospitality can bring that sense of purpose. You know what you can, uh, the, the lasting memories, the experiences you bring to people. So I think we have to talk more about this. Yes, it's about hours, it's about the pay, uh, but this will always be there, right? And other sectors have the same. And you see people leaving hospitality for less pay. So surely that's not the only thing that's happening. Um, so. It is a complex topic, but I think at the heart of it is people and trying, you know, and, and for business owners and leaders uh, to treat and to look after their staff as they would uh, a customer, as basic as that. <laughs> if you should give like a, you know, a, a formula or an approach, because there's, everybody has to find their own way. I never believed there's like a cookie cutter way of doing leadership or improving a business or you know you always need to to find your old algorithm in a way i'm a big believer but what is it what can we do to make work better in hospitality because one thing is going out saying that we want to do it i think all the right intent is there and you know come and have a job in hospitality you can travel the world and so on but in, in, we actually need to show we can do it as well we need to make work better what what could companies do is there like some things that you see often are you know top opportunities for improvement in organization to improve the engagement or the, the the atmosphere of working there. Yeah, no, you're right because um, and there's so many organizations that do a great ad, isn't it? It's great to work here, and then people start the first week they don't even have a, a welcome, right? They don't get an induction, they're not onboarded properly. So um, it's all about making all of these things that we're talking about very tangible uh, and linked to processes. We were talking about how much I love checklists, but that's one of the many ways, you know, to make sure that you are doing the basics. Um, and when you're, for example, welcoming a staff member into your business, making sure that you have uh, planned the training. And now with the pandemic, I think people woke up to the opportunities that you have with digitalization, e-learning. Uh, so, you know, even though, even though hotels are very much a, in on-site type of business, it doesn't mean that you can't leverage technology for things like training, for example, and making sure that um, you know people have an opportunity to keep upskilling and to learn. Uh, so that's really important, and 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 defining those those processes and that a journey for your staff uh, with very clear milestones of how you want them to proceed and how they can grow, showing them how 
a lot of the skills they're learning will be valuable for them, whichever industry they go into. Uh, because I think that's one thing that we don't talk about often enough. Uh, I know you're, you know, you're from McDonald's, and I remember when I was um, still in uni, I went to talk to one of my dad's uh, friend, friend um, for advice. And the first thing he told me was like, you should work at McDonald's. And I was like, at McDonald's? I just, you know, passed in the best university in the country. I'm not going. And it was such like the perfect advice. I should have gone to work in McDonald's. In the end, I went to Disney World doing exactly the same work I would have done in McDonald's. And that was the great school, you know, to understand how amazing um, and, and what a difference a great onboarding you'd have that this big organizations show you. You know, you feel like you belong. You feel like you're part of that and things are structured. And I think that really laid the foundations to uh, what I saw as important, you know, afterwards as a leader. So um, work at McDonald's, you'll learn loads. Uh, that will take you, will take you whichever your career you, you take in the future. And I think also to translate that to other organizations, because what often what I have seen when I come in is that often there's some very good operational process for delivering the service or the product to the customer, but there's not those processes put in place for the people, the people journey, you called it, the customer journey and the people journey. There's no clear defined procedure exactly and nobody put the right intent behind them because they're not measured in the same way. And that, that's, that's what you just mentioned about McDonald's. That was one of the things that was very clear in McDonald's when a McDonald's country or restaurant worked really well. It actually came down to they really executed well in the people journey and then that reflected on the operational journey. Perfect, then yeah. Uh, reflected on the customer journey and then it reflected on profit um and uh, and it was like there was also lists to follow there and, and people was obsessed about these lists uh, and following and there was audits on these lists and that's maybe going to the extreme it doesn't fit every culture but there's something about having a plan for people because actually we just did a study recently and uh, it was quite uh, significant to see that uh, up to uh, more than 70 percent of people didn't have a plan for their people even though where we are in this current moment, this is uh, done over the summer, these surveys and interviews with people, more than more than uh, 50 leaders of hospitality business. And it was quite a, quite quite staggering that they have this issue around people, but there's no plan and processes in principle in place and no leverage of digital tools to help them, as you mentioned. So I just wanted to put that in to actually to build the argument that actually a lot of the calmness, as you talk about, can be found in fixing the fundamentals and that's a journey it's not like it's not something you do in one day no yeah yeah exactly and i think it's it, it's making it embedded on your your day-to-day -day, um and like I say part of your everyday metrics so you're looking at your you know how you're making against forecast yes how your uh, reviews are going but how are your people metrics how you're your team moving uh, on their onboarding journey um, and, and just really putting the same energy behind it. Um, and, and like I say, it's just a, a positive cadence of, of, of goodness that comes out of it. Have you ever been met when, when you suggest that, you know, this on the people journey, because I, I'm, 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 a, I'm, you know, you don't have to convince me. I'm already converted, you know, you're preaching <laughs> to the convert. But if you had to, like anyone said, but well, is that not just a lot of work and something that like typical HR to come up with all these processes and checklists because then they have something to do and yeah, it doesn't really add any value to the business. Um, yeah, it, it feels like, it's crazy for me that in this day and age, we still have that type of mentality, but it does feel sometimes like I don't have time for that. Well, 
if you don't have time for that, you never have time for much, really, uh, because that's what's going to drive the whole calmness and the whole control and, and having a team that enjoys what they're doing. You know, you, you get to a point where it is a, it's a long game for sure. It's not something that a, a weekend retreat or one day bringing a mindfulness, you know, those things help. They are kind of it shows a willingness to do the right thing. Uh, but you really have to to make that a priority. And as much as you do in your lineup, uh, you know, those routines in the business, make it part of your routine. So it won't feel like it's another thing. It's just part of your day to day. Um, so it, it, I think because a lot of businesses still see that as a, a nice to have is why we are where we are. We're still promoting and elevating as leaders people who are great technical uh, at what they do maybe they're great waiters the best receptionist but to actually build that culture and and develop teams you need to uh to work on those leadership skills which involve understanding how to put a plan in place how to have that uh long-term uh, vision of uh, what you have to do to get your team to where you you want to and your business a lot of people uh talk in a moment about they want to build a culture that people want to join. It's it suddenly become you know, and it, it, I can see again the the same you know CEOs talking about their values. They will go in a year's time and they talked about all these things, the playbook they created, the culture playbook, all these initiatives they did to attract people, and some of them were more successful than others. But how do you actually build great culture? How do you actually, you know, maintain it as well? Because, you know, one thing is do this initiative to fix a here and now problem, but actually put sustainable effort behind it. Because again, you know, we talked about it before this interview as well. One of my favorite books is Good to Great. And they were relentless about building great people practices, as we talk about them here. Think that futurize a great culture. So, but what is your view on, you know, when we have to build great culture and what is it that we are we are missing sometimes in that journey? I think obviously we talked about routines. Uh, we talked about looking to those metrics consistently. It's not once in a year you do an engagement survey, you see it doesn't look great. You hide half of those figures and you don't talk about it because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to keep saying that people don't think leadership is it's good enough in your business. And, you know, that's not good enough. So you have to look into those things a lot more often. And communication is the main thing, like transparency and bringing people to the table, everyone across the business. Like you have leaders at your reception, you have leaders in your housekeeping team, you know, you just have to bring those people into the conversation to find solutions. Um, and they will, you know, and they get really excited when you share that purpose and that vision. Um, I think there's still a lot of, oh, this is confidential information, this I won't share. Uh, I think that my success ahead of business has had a lot to do with doors really always open you know there was no silly question and having or you know whether there was quarterly meetings however often you're going to meet with your whole team make sure that uh you do bring the good the bad and the ugly and you bring them as part of that solution um and you show them what life could look like if they go into this journey with you so um i think making sure that that communication is really clear and trickling that information down into the team so that your leaders are echoing what you say uh, and everyone is behind that same messaging is really important. It doesn't have to be complicated. You can find like one keyword, which is what everyone will get behind and work through that as your key focus and everything everyone is doing is to reach that goal. And when you do, you celebrate together, you know, and just make it all about the positives that you will find at the end rather than all the struggles and the complaining, which I think the conversation is still very much on 
oh, it's really hard and, you know, we don't have staff and, okay, but let's let's really start to shift that conversation into what are the good examples of things that we're doing. And there must be a lot of businesses that are doing really well, you know, and that people are engaged and, and enjoying it. So um, talk more about that. Yeah, and uh, I guess there's also the, the reality check, as you say, are you looking in the mirror and accepting the, the problems you have is primarily self-inflicted. Uh, of course, the external world always have an impact, but we, are, we have what we have and everybody is in the same situation. We are fishing from the same pool. So how can we then come in the top 10 of that pool to make sure that people choose us instead of others? Because there are still people going for jobs and hospitality. It's not like there's no one applying, but the pool has definitely gone smaller. What about leadership? How, how much, you talked a bit about leadership before, well, how much does that actually impact culture? Because some people say it's, that's what's defined culture and other people say, well, it's the the systems that's, and the processes that defines a culture. You know, your, your beliefs, your rituals of every day are stronger than the individual leader. Uh, they go, well, obviously I would say that they go hand in hand, uh, but I think there's a level of self-awareness as a leader that can really make uh, a lot of difference. Um, and which is something that you can only work within yourself, right? You know, you can't be taught. You have to really um, seek out that understanding that um, everyone can can learn, everyone can make mistakes, having that humbleness and um, showing that vulnerability. I think those are all words that right now they're really on. You know, anyone, everyone talks about vulnerability, everyone talks about, you know, but... Uh, it's always been super important and they can't we can't get out of this pandemic like I said I don't know if we're still in the pandemic we're not we are but uh, with them just being another words that you put against the world just like alongside so many others like trust and communication that we talk about and we do nothing about it so how can you help your leaders then learn about um, you know being self-aware uh, how can you take the shame out of a mistake and actually turn that into learnings um, I think those are things that you you can delete, definitely develop um, for leaders, so that when you're telling them that they have to follow a checklist, they don't feel micromanaged. Because a lot of people still see those systems for controls um, on, on inverted commas on tracking tasks as a way to micromanage. Like I don't even want to look into those tasks management systems, for example. But I know it'll help you to have those things well organized and systematized and you're better for your productivity, you know, and you'll feel better because you'll have things under control. But that all takes um, time to learn and to share that message uh, so people can can get to that understanding. It's quite interesting what you're saying there. As um, to my career, when I either joined organization or work with organization, I often see the, you know, the managers or the leaders of the organization. In my world, there's no bad leaders or bad managers is that this leaders are not better than managers we need both skills to run effectively but when i come in i often see that you know the ability to to manage oneself exactly the you know exactly the starting point to build great culture and great business outcomes because actually that's the reason why i think goes wrong sometimes so people leave a, a toxic culture or don't feel psychological safe is that because that you know, manager or some managers are not able to manage themselves. And that's both their time, but also their emotion to things. And and they have not really gone on that journey. They're just technical managers and they are, they're doing the job, but they're not really excelling at it because excelling at it means that you are managing yourself better. Have you seen similar things as you have 
travel through hospitality and still seeing that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, it, it comes down to the whole walk the talk, um, you know, thing as well, because there's so much, yeah, you have to do that. I need to see how you're doing. And then you give no transparency on what you are doing as well, you know, and what, what are your challenges? And, and I think just showing that, yes, my job is different than yours, not better. It's just a different uh, role within what we're trying to achieve together is, is really important. And I think it, it, it is a tough balance to, to reach because you, you know, you have to be reminded. And I think that's the other thing as well. We say, yeah, you have the controls for all the managerial stuff, but you can have controls and reminders and processes in place to remind you of the, the soft skills, the called soft skills as well. But because uh, sometimes like you get too involved into the day to day, the task, you know, the, the things that have to be done. So putting the routines to say, you know what, today we're going to celebrate something we've achieved. And that's just as important as completing a task, which is very operational, uh, because otherwise it will gradually fall into the you know, the priority list, because like you said, you yourself, people don't see it as a priority. So you have to put those routines in place, even for things that are related to uh, leadership, for engagement, for, you know, um, emotional intelligence, whatever it is, and put that routine in. For example, one thing I used to do uh, in one of the hotels I managed is we would have those values that we would, for example, talk about trust during the whole week. Um, and within our lineup, I would say, okay, we're talking about trust. We would read a, an affirmation about trust and say, what have you done yesterday in your day? Just randomly pick someone from, you know, your lineup uh, where you trust someone else in, you know, to to do something in your uh, in your day. And so just making that word actually become tangible through examples and that would trickle down into the operational lineup so then the receptionist who was on the lineup with me would go to her team and do the same that would be on your canteen board talking about trust maybe would bring that topic um, you know on a email that i would send to the team so you just have to make it as important and add it to your routine uh, as much as yeah we're checking our you know our cost of service or whatever whatever else you have on your business I love what you're talking about there, Karina. You're talking about like these, how do you actually, you know, you went on a away day and you created this, these values and that's all good. You know, the purpose, the mission, the vision, you maybe even written it down in a book, but how do you actually bring it to life in your day-to-day -day life? How do you actually make focus on them? And, you know, you, you always know from a gut feel, if you look at your values, you know, I'm one out of 10, I'm seven on that, eight on that. Oh, you're four on trust. We need to start talking about what trust is for us and actually find out and just have a conversation about it and actually bring it to life true stories. And I think uh, it's very powerful. I think a lot of organizations actually forget it costs nothing in principle. It's just the leader needs to be brave enough to take that conversation and actually, you know, say that that's something we failed on, including myself. How do we change that? Because most people have trust as a, as a value, as you say, funny enough. Um, what has been your your own learnings the last 18 months? Because it's easy for us to sit and sit here, you know, in this complex situation, say, well, leaders, tough job, you, and managers, you just need to get better. That's the, will actually solve many of you, many of your problems. We all know that there's nothing new in that. But have you had any learnings the last 18 months that actually can, you know, help the managers out there? And actually, because I also think there's, you know, a reality check that, you know, we don't live in easy time. Yeah, no, that's right. And I think, like I said, I've always had this sense of no time to waste. We have to, you know, reach our goals as quickly as we can and be effective. Uh, so I think it's just been exacerbated during this time, you know, this sense of, 
you know, we have to do more uh, for ourselves, for others. Um, so, but how do you embrace that, right? Because you have to plan for that and you have to make sure that you follow, you have focus so that you can feel that sense of accomplishment. But I think the main thing was really learning how to deal with the unexpected. And I think the unexpected for me over the past 18 months, it's happened both ways. You know, it's unexpectedly bad. You know, what we've gone through, it's been completely unexpectedly bad. So I can't deny it. But there's been a lot of good, you know, and a lot of things that, well, if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have come across this opportunity. So for me, for my business, um, it just recently uh, was my birthday and the birthday of the business for the first year of, you know, this whole new operations that I'm on. And I would not have imagined, you know, <laughs> that it would have become what it has become now. Uh, but just from being open to these opportunities and things that um, start to to come across, it's not a deviation from your original plan, but it's actually uh, being uh, welcoming those unexpected things that actually uh, bring you opportunities. So um, I think that's it. Change, flexibility. I've always been a big uh, passionate for change. <laughs> I've always I've I've seen it as a downside in the past. It's like oh, I just you know when things are good and stable I want something to shake it up and to bring a bit of change uh, but um, I think now I'm 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 at peace with that you know I think it's a, it's a great skill to have and you're always developing it um, and learning how to not feel frustrated with whichever way that unexpected thing takes you but actually feel uh, what can you learn and looking at that glass half full and uh, where can you take this now yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, I can't remember if I read it during the pandemic or somebody said to me, be 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 a bit more like water in a way, because it's good. Okay, make a plan because then you know you have you know you have a, an intent every day. But be ready to redo that plan if the the river doesn't take you there. And and it's okay because it's a the universe will figure it out in the end, which is very f- philosophical, but exactly true. Uh, because actually, if you're more calm, you, you get there quicker as well, uh, which is very hard. It's not easy to practice that. Um, on your journey, uh, who has been like, you know, the the figures, you know, maybe the mentors that has inspired you? Uh, where do you get your inspiration from? Uh, well, as you know, I had a, a tip on that question before. I was really, really struggled because there's so many people that shape you and you know take you into into that journey um obviously i have to say my mom and dad and most uh, significantly my dad like i said he he passed away sadly um unexpectedly when he was only 39 i was 12 but he was my hero he was like the guy that everyone wanted to be around him he was a great leader you know someone who was definitely um people were drawn to him and I think learning and getting into my career I was always thinking okay what would he do would that make sense to him and and that feeling of um, I have to accomplish things you know that maybe he couldn't um, accomplish in his lifetime has always been very important to me uh, but then I, I I remember two people in particular who were important in this whole journey of learning the calmness and the importance of leadership and this um, holistic view on businesses so one of them, uh, his name is Roberto, He, which is also my dad's name by from the incidents. Uh, he was my acupuncturist in Brazil. And uh, at the time, I was really, really stressed um, or feeling, starting to feel a bit overwhelmed. I was married, had two kids, you know, had a, started to grow in your career, had an important job. Um, and I was feeling like I was failing 
across all boards. I was like, I'm not good enough, mom, not good enough as a friend, as my job, and just feeling very frustrated. Um, and what he told me was so simple. And yet, like I said, it's like the water, it's okay. He said, uh, well, are you doing the best that you can? And I said, yes, I am. He said, so it's fine. It's all good. You know, don't put yourself too much pressure. And it sounds so simple now, but uh, the moment I really internalized that and understood that it, I'm, I'm generally doing my best um, and it's fine. It, it changed like from day to night um, how I, I saw things. Um, and then there's also um, a, a person I worked for. His name is Manu. He is the owner and founder of Pousada Pisinguaba and Fazenda Catasaba in Brazil, which are these amazing, genuinely Brazilian places. He's a Frenchman who moved to Brazil uh, out of a passion for its people and the nature and hospitality. Um, and we had a conversation like this, you know, when we met um, that went on for hours because he was so passionate about the this idea of life it's one life there's no working life and personal life it, it's all one right so you have to find something that you love you're passionate and you and and it was the first time that i met someone who was saying that and he was a leader who would be my boss you know i felt so lucky <laughs> to have come across someone like that and i think as leaders if you can tell that to your team and say look I want you to enjoy this, not just the place that you come to earn your, your salary, but it's part of your life. It's one third of your day. Uh, let's make the most of it together. Um, it, it's, again, something that uh, I try to bring to my everyday. Um, you won't always enjoy and love what you're doing every day, but you don't even love all the moments with your husband or your kids. So it's fine to have some moments of frustration, but understanding that, um, you know, it's part of your bigger kind of journey without getting too philosophical um, was really important for me. Great, great. That was some really great examples there. Uh, what uh, if you take, we go from these inspirations and the, the philosophical bit of it and actually go into, you know, take the crystal ball. And then I asked you, where's hospitality? Because this is a, you know, we're in a global situation. It's not just in the UK, but where are we in the next 12 to 18 months? If you should put your guess on what, what 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 will happen i think there's one side which is technology definitely um i mean we're seeing all the apps and the service being replaced by your order on an app um thing like it or not i think it's part of the solution um i think if i think about going to a restaurant you know not very long ago the experience was also about the waiter, the the sommelier coming to your table. Now you go to a restaurant, 90% of people are on their phones. <laughs> um, so they're not necessarily that for that experience. Um, and I think now if people will want to go there for that experience, they'll have to pay a bit more um, to actually be you know, welcomed by someone who chose that career, who's great at it, and it's going to give you that show. Uh, and otherwise you might be greeted by a, an app that's going to take your orders and that's going to make... Uh, you know, the business work. Unfortunately, it feels like that's a bit what's happening and you're really going to have not just different uh, service levels, but actually completely different gastronomic experience talking about restaurants, but hotels likewise, uh, you know, self-checking versus personal checking. That will be a lot more clearer on your on your price um, differentiator and, and those markets will be a lot more, um, you know, distinct, I feel. Um, but also I, I think that the appeal for authenticity, people became more connected with, uh, 
you know, their humane side, um, hopefully, which I think can be very good for hospitality. Uh, people are looking for authenticity. They want to know who is behind the desk, who's the owner of the business, this whole focus on, um, you know, privately owned um, people from, uh, your, you know, who, who started their own business. Uh, so I think that can also bring a lot of opportunities for the smaller ones who uh, resisted being bought over by the big businesses with the big money, isn't it? So I think that the the customers are being very uh, open to looking for personality, for authenticity and hospitality and businesses who bring this to the forefront and are brave to be themselves can can really be a differentiator. Yeah, and I think you're, you're spot on there again, because um... You now you don't just go for a plate of food. It probably maybe even with you know increasing prices, it's going to be something you do for a treat. It's not going to be a regular thing to to eat out five days a week. Uh, even getting coffee out every day, maybe it's gonna because prices will go up. We know that because of labor costs and supply chain issue. And therefore, actually, when you do it, you want that human experience, that uniqueness of your brand or your restaurant. You want that to shine true because that's in principle what you buy uh, when you go out. So I think it's it's spot on. It's going to be very interesting to see because that's the opportunity, I guess, to show real hospitality again um, and not just focusing on the transaction of a plate of food. Um, how do you, uh, in all this craziness, show up pro, I call it, or in a in a good place? Because you talk about showing up in a calm place and not being overwhelmed and we all have moments of that that we just get better at managing them uh, over time, I guess, when we're focusing on it. But how do you do it? Because it's, it's a, a tough time, no matter what you do to in the moment. It is. I think, um, I mean, I was fortunate that I could make the move in this toughest of times to say, I want to do what I love. And definitely, and I think that, again, is what's making this shift in the job market because a lot of people are doing that reflection and going after those experiences and hustling you know and and experiencing different things which i think is really good um, and that has really made i mean a massive difference on my on my well-being um you know i was never one to stay up late working i've always been you know i want to be focused and do the things with my time and respectful of people's time and i haven't been respecting my too much recently, but just because I'm having a lot of fun, <laughs> you know, I'm doing what I love. I'm talking to, uh, you know, to people who are uh, delivering great things, helping get loads of ideas out there um, and enabling, uh, you know, loads of new projects. So I think uh, for me, that's always been my, again, when we talk about that sense of time and of purpose and making it worthwhile, uh, I think that's what makes me show up every day you know and i feel that yes it's been worthwhile and again it doesn't have to be something big and i think this is the opportunity for leaders to show that on every little thing um there's something amazing that that has happened and and acknowledging those small moments and every small win uh, is really important and uh, i mean my husband supports me massively my kids we, we celebrate each other uh, and and just not losing that perspective of uh, the small wins uh, is, I think, the the tip here. <laughs> yeah, because the, the small wins combined or added up will make massive breakthroughs. That's normally what I say. 1% every day in the right direction. Um, what is uh, 
your uh, like advice if i give you the stage as here one of the last questions here to uh, give some advice to to the industry and the leaders out there because we 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 said that there's something not working we are in a situation we said what needs to happen in a way but what would be you like your concise top three advice to people out there okay so concise all our conversation i think um if there's anything you should put on your you know your post-it put on your agenda whatever however you organize yourself uh is look after people i mean we've been talking about it we've given some examples on how to do it but then looking at all stakeholders yourself included so what are you doing on that whole idea of self-awareness really map those indicators so it's not just saying you know, how are you? Yes. And looking after people starts with that, just acknowledging people and asking how they are and offering uh, support. But actually, what are the indicators of all these people? What can you effectively make tangible and look at uh, and make plans uh, and not lose sight of that as much as you do your bottom line uh, and your, you know, financial figures? So people. Um, investing in technology, um, you know, it, for me during this past year, the two big things that transformed my life and now I'm bringing to business to help transform theirs is uh, the whole e-learning uh, revolution, which started a while ago, but really became really strong now. Um, so e-learning gives opportunity not just to sell courses to others, but to teach your team, to train your partners. So there's so much that can be done and now it's so affordable and easy. Like I tell my kids that, learning how to put an online course together will be like learning how to put a PowerPoint together a few years ago. You know, it's a no brainer. Everyone should do it. It's a way to communicate um, and workflow management tools and productivity tools like, um, you know, ClickUp, Trello, all these tools out there to really, it, it can transform the way that you manage your team and there's gives clarity on what everyone's doing, what's on their plates. Uh, I don't think hospitality businesses use them nearly I mean, I've never used it when I was a man of a hotel. So it's something I found out afterwards. Um, and it can I can see how it would have made my life so much easier um, if I had come across this thing sooner. Um, and then number three is looking for that bigger purpose. So we talked about authenticity, you know, people looking for meaning. Um, and I think hospitality, it shouldn't be difficult for us. You know, we are in this amazing industry. We bring... Uh, you know, great moments to people. Um, and I think that can make a difference to attracting more staff, you know, showing that you're um, environmentally responsible, that maybe be trying, you know, becoming a B Corp. Uh, there's many ways to stand out as a business and to attract both your clients, but your staff by showing that you, you, you go beyond uh, making a profit. So we know every business is there for profit, but we can do a lot more um with our organizations so yeah people technology purpose are my top three for today great uh, advice there and i agree agree with all of them and i can see one of them that really i made a note on is also that technology to improve the speed of learning because you know people come to a place to learn and grow that's a pretty proof of where to join a place. They believe that they can come out as a better individual in the end and get a better job or take a next step in their life. And actually with technology, now hospitality can give them that. You don't have to build all your own training materials. There's so much around. You can just give them access for very little money. And it's so powerful because people really will feel acknowledged when you give them you know, a freedom to choose a course. And in principle, you don't have to control all of the learning. You can just say, there's this available. You can do whatever you want when you want. Um, and it becomes very interesting to see what people does with that. And actually, we're back to 
Well, it's interesting, the conversation I see that's going on in here, what Peter Shingen talked about 20 years ago, calling the learning organization in the search of excellence. That was all about empowering people to learn in their own way. But you build the system and give people access to it and they will learn because it was about systemizing learning. And uh, and it is not difficult to create learning today as well. It could also be that you have some important messages. You take your phone and you record something and you share that with your staff. That's also learning. Yeah, there is. I mean, there's so many great initiatives because once, for example, a business has their own e-learning platform, uh, and I had some clients who have done this in the past, you know, they give access to their team to say, look, you, you know, I've always been sort of the Excel hero where I worked and I every time had to teach people. So I could very easily put together some short videos, put it into a library, you know, within the business and say, hey, it's just Karina teaching some Excel lessons to help your day. And it doesn't have to be structured like that. So anyone within your business, if they know something really well, you know, don't think it's going to be a massive investment. It's part of your people strategy, you know, getting people to showcase what they do well and teach others. Um, that's a massive opportunity across all all fronts. Yeah, great, great. Again, another great example of, you know, you can do it with your pass, your guest system, your CRM system, like all those things that makes people get through the day better. So you get the foundations in place, as we talked about, and people don't have to think too much to do a, a, a job well. Where, where can people find out more about you and the work you do? Where should they go? Uh, well, they can go to my website, uh, uk. I'm not going to spell all the E's on this. You'd probably put on your description, but it's <laughs> uh, Nessery. And then um, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, email. I mean, I'd love to, I love to connect. And um, I've been doing a lot of conversations as well with people on hospitality talk. So I'm really keen to to help like yourself, you know, push this conversation that hospitality can be great and it's a great career. It's given me amazing things. It still gives me, you know, amazing things. And yeah, you can be part of, of that too. Great. Thank you so much, Karina, for coming on the show. I send you power and energy for, for the time ahead and uh, I'm sure we will stay in touch. Yes, absolutely. Me too. Thanks, Michael. It was really, really good. And I'll see you again. Thank you so much, Karina, for your great insights into how to build better organizational cultures, true calmness and checklists, and how to manage yourself better. I would recommend you now to sit down with pen and paper and ask yourself, are your organization using checklists in a positive way to achieve calmness in your organization? To get further inspiration on how to build great company culture, please also tune in to episode 35. It's all about the team with Marta Pogachevska, Managing Director at Gales. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their social at bizsimply or at bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly on advice at bizsimply.com. A big thank you to Fina Charlton, who is the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to our newsletter and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. I don't worry, if you didn't get all of that, there will be links in the show notes. I'm Michael Tingsa, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Mavericks podcast show. Be Maverick.